Hello and welcome to the Chorus in the Chaos podcast. My name is Blake. I'm joined tonight, uh, as always, or as most of the time, with Grayson. Uh, you will notice that we are missing our good friend Jack. Uh, he had some other things going on tonight, which coincidentally fits the podcast episode quite well on time management. It does. So, it it right. was one of those odd <laughs> things where it's like, okay, well, I guess you did not occupy our, your time well hmm, tonight. Hmm. Jack gets to be our uh, living illustration. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's he is doing better things. He's yes, doing better things. Yeah. Truly better things. Uh, so we are in this series uh, dealing with the common struggles of the Christian life. Uh, it has been a roller coaster up to this point. We've dealt with all different kinds of subject matter. One of the things that we had come up with at the very beginning as we were putting the season together that we wanted to talk about was this issue of time management. Uh, it's not something that you might readily think about as a Christian struggle, uh, but the implications of not managing your time well actually have eternal implications. Uh, on top of that, uh, this is an issue that it's actually quite controversial uh, when you begin talking to other uh, Christians and begin looking kind of in the broader church. Um, you know, we've had uh, conversations uh, with people and we've had conversations with each other where we, you know, say something like, well, I just, I, I don't have time for that. Um, and the chances are uh, that if you have said that, that you don't have time for something, uh, chances are that you have also um, heard the old adage uh, that you will always have time for the things that you prioritize in your life. And that's kind of the yeah. back and forth when folks say, I don't have time for that. Well, you'll have time if you make time, you know, things, yeah. things like that. Uh, the reality is, is that we have a set numbers, number of days given to us by God. We'll, we'll talk about uh, that and get into that. Uh, but Charles Spurgeon once said on this, on this subject, if you have not the time, God gave it to you and you must have misspent it. <laughs> so, yeah. And I'll get Grace and I were, ouch. Yeah. Grace and I were laughing about that beforehand. It's like, wow, Spurgeon just must have been in a mood that day or, or yeah, something. Yeah, he had somebody come to him for counsel, and they're like, I don't have the yeah. time for that. He goes, mm, right. maybe you not. You have the time. You just misspent it. Yeah. 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 Uh, the problem in life is that uh, not necessarily that we don't have time for something. The true problem is uh, or the reality of it, I guess you could say, is that time is limited and we choose what we spend our time on. And so what we're really kind of getting at is what are the things that we should be spending our time on? We're going to talk about some practical application. We're going to talk about time it's, itself. Um, so if you are a person who's listening to the podcast and you are pressed for time, uh, there are several concepts that we're going to be covering uh, surrounding this issue, but in the end, uh, this is an area of Christian living uh, that you will need discernment um, as you think through it and as you live it out practically in your life. So that being said, um, Grayson, do you have anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think uh, that's a that's a key point in what we're trying to illustrate with this whole podcast today. Um, most people are looking for clear cut i want a bible verse that says everything about what i have to do in life mm -hmm. and this is one of those areas that can often be seen just kind of as a nebulous zone if you will where there's not 
going to be a Bible verse or an explicit command from Scripture that deals with what we would call time management today. Mm -hmm. uh, God doesn't give us 10 different ways you can manage your time better, uh, even though you might desire that. Right. Instead, what we find is that there's concepts, there's principles, there's um, pertinent verses that might apply to this situation. And so what we have to do is simply think through it. Like you said, the operative word is discernment. Um, so what we have to do is look through this in the whole of life. And then often we actually have to adapt as we simply navigate through the various scenarios that we find in life. Mm -hmm. uh, we would say as, as pastors, especially Blake and I, that this is more than enough for us, especially if we look at it in terms of what biblical mm -hmm. commands we do have, but also what principles we can glean from scripture about how we better use our time um, right. We would say this is enough that we can live a life that actually reflects how we live to the best of our ability in the days that God has given us. Right. So the application of those things might be a little bit different from person to person, Right. Uh, but the principles behind every one of them should be something that all of us should be able to say yes and amen to, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, and it'll look different. It looks. It, it may look different for you know, a single mother, it may look different for a pastor. It may look different for a, a single, you know, individual, no kids, not weighed down by the cares of the world, as Paul says, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, the, the, but what, what's building behind it, uh, the principles that are being laid down as Grayson said, are things that everyone in every position of life should be able to agree with. Yeah. Every uh, Christian, at the bottom, anyway. the bottom line is if we look at it and say, if we're going to be wise Christians, um, we want to be good stewards of the time God's given us. Right. As you mentioned right in the beginning, we only have a set number of days. So mm -hmm. what we want to do with those days is live to the maximum glory we can bring God in them. Um, so with that, what we need to start with is just simply developing a theology of time, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So off the cuff, if you had to give a quick theology of time, how would you start there? How would I start it? Yeah, if you were, let's say, yeah. you get somebody in your counseling office and they're just they're asking questions about time management, um, and yet they come into the office and they're like, "I just feel like I'm always running out of time. It's a curse. Right? It's, uh, right? You know, I I never have I mean, the amount of time I need." I think, and this may be controversial uh, right off the bat. I, I think that you know we've we've kind of bought the 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 lie uh, that you hear from the world a lot that you know time is an illusion. Uh, yeah. Time really is not an, an illusion. I mean, the, the Lord is the one uh, who creates time and he creates it um, with this set boundary and, and parameter. And the Bible always speaks of time as something uh, that the Lord understands fully. And that again, that he's set days. And we see that in creation, uh, in the creation account. Um, we have those suggestions of day and night, you know, mm -hmm. such was the, the, the morning of the first day and the evening of the first day. Um, you know, when you pay, when you look at the fourth day, um, in Genesis one, uh, 14 through 19, it says, then God said, let there be light uh, in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens uh, to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the great light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night. 
and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day. So again, right there, you have that whole picture of the Lord in this concept of time marks it out by days, weeks, months, years, um, sun up, sun down. Yeah. All seasons. Those things. Right. You know, seasons. All that. Look at the various different things in, in, you know, summer, fall, winter, mm -hmm. spring, every last one of these are different demarcations that God has given us. Um, I would even ar arguably say as a gift from him that we might mark out right. the seasons, but um, I mean, think of it, I, this is off the cuff here, but I, we, we literally just had snow the other day. And so we're, we're mm -hmm. rapidly getting into the winter season here in Wisconsin. Um, and my mind immediately goes back to scripture, back to Isaiah, though your sins mm -hmm. made you a scarlet, you are now made as white as snow. Right. Um, there's a simple blessing in the reality of <laughs> even just the change of the seasons where you can right. look at uh, the reality of what Christ has accomplished and give thanks for it. Um, right. Martin Luther, he gave another wonderful quote where he talked about springtime. Uh, it's one of my favorite quotes from Luther where he said, every budding, I, I mean, I'm paraphrasing it here, but basically every leaf in springtime is a testimony to the resurrection. Right. right? So right. you yeah. think of the long season of what we typically think of as death. Um, come springtime, there's life, there's budding, right. blossoming flowers and everything else. And mm -hmm. uh, then you look at that on the grander scale. So I think of, um, I, I wrote it down here as another verse here, but Psalm 104, verses 19 through 20, it says, He made the moon for the seasons. The sun knows the place of its setting. You appoint darkness and it becomes night, in which all of the beasts of the forest prowl about. Mm -hmm. So when you look at both of these different verses, I mean, especially the creation narrative, but you look at it and see there's intrinsic purpose to it. There is... right. Um, a simple productive reality in which God himself instituted time. He created it. He appointed it. Mm -hmm. It's not this random chaotic thing that the world might ascribe to our culture or right. creation, rather, right. or that it's an illusion, if you will. It's actually right. appointed. It's not even the product of the fall. It's actually given by God to mankind. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's a good point, too. I mean, this is something that's you know, pre-fall, <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's going to be, that's going to be a key factor. I, I also, I'm trying to remember the, the reference, but there's also a passage uh, that says that, you know, the seasons will come and go and, and the seasons won't pass away, uh, you know, until the Lord returns. And so like you even have this, uh, you have this steadiness in the seasons and that it's a reminder of God's, uh, you know, promise of his upholding hand, uh, until, you know, the next big events take place, you know, yeah. uh, which is why I, I mean, I don't know, this might be a wrong application. I don't get worked up about global warming and things like that, you know, <laughs> the eternal winters and, and yeah. the eternal scorching and things like that. Cause like scripture says, the seasons will continue, you know? No, and so like you're not being a good steward of creation. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not like, you know, I, again, I'm not burning yeah. tires in my backyard, but. Oh, you don't uh, throw used car batteries into the ocean? <laughs> right. <laughs> Are you going to feed the electric eels if yeah, you're not throwing your batteries in the. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, so again, it's, it, it's, it's amazing what a little bit, uh, how calming uh, to the Christian mind, just a little bit of scriptural truth can be. Yeah. You know, well, I, I and, think of those things. When Al Gore came into his heyday right back in the early 2000s, and it was 
on this massive scale of global warming, right? The, the earth is going to essentially end in a couple of years here. Right, right. And there were people in a veritable panic over that. Um, mm-hmm. I was a kid at the time, not even remotely in the Christian faith. I was completely aloof to all of that. But right. I think back on that now as a Christian, and um, in my mind, I always ask the question, how many people were just simply going back to these sure promises of Scripture and recognizing that, mm. um, yeah, indeed, we need to be good stewards of creation. Um, right. Whatever your position is on global warming, I don't particularly care, so don't send us an email right. here. But um, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, my, my point is simple. Um, if God has promised that the seasons will endure, until right. the end of time in which Christ returns, right. that's a promise we can hold to the bank. And right. we ought to take much comfort in that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my first uh, exposure, at least my first remembrance of Al Gore, was an episode of Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> and one of the schemes was they were going to use uh, Al Gore as a hot air balloon uh, to like float them over something. And Pinky asked, well, how is that going to happen? And like, how is that going to work? And Brain says, because everybody knows that Al Gore is full of hot air. It was just fantastic. And I, for some reason, that stuck with me as a kid. I just thought that was hilarious. So, yeah, then when, so then when his documentary came on, I was like, look, I'm not going to buy any of this because Brain said this guy's full of hot air. So yeah, Brain is the smart mouse, too. <laughs> right, so. right, right. Exactly. The anime, I said it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, try to. Now well, we, we got, the now we got off there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we got off the rails here. So when we look at all that, um, particularly in the creation narrative, what we should be able to see, though, is that God did indeed create time. He appointed the seasons, and it is very, very good. Um, mm-hmm. That's a, a foundational theological statement we should all be able to affirm as Christians: is that time is created by God. And indeed, it's actually good. Um, if this were not even enough, you look at what Christ said in the New Testament. He picks up on the same thing when it comes to Mark 2.27. He talks about the Sabbath, and he's talking with the Pharisees at this point. But what he does, right. he's, he's rebuking them, um, for one, because they had forgotten mercy. But for two, he just plainly looks at them and says that the Sabbath was created for man and not man for the Sabbath. Right. Well, what's he alluding back to there? but the entire creation narrative, and specifically uh, the Sabbath day of rest. What you find there is this, again, a principle that's being elucidated or made clear by him, in which he's looking at these men who are uh, hypocrites and being able to say, look, time, essentially, uh, especially this day of rest, was given for mankind. I am Lord over the Sabbath, therefore I have the intrinsic right to, to do as I please and heal a man on that day. Um, but the point he's making is simple. The Sabbath was given for mankind. Time itself was, again, a gift given for mankind, and especially that day of rest. So when we look at these principles as far as what's bound in creation throughout the Psalms, all throughout the Old Testament, and especially even in the New Testament affirmed by Christ, um, what we want to be able to do is simply draw back a series of truths that Scripture just simply attributes about the reality of time. Uh, right, for one, we already right. talked about this, but God created it, right? It was not um, merely something that just happened. It was actually appointed by God. So you can look at that and draw some logical ramifications from it. Namely, um, God is outside of time, right? 
Mm-hmm. If he's created it, he is in control of it. Therefore, every aspect of time falls under his domain, his jurisdiction. Um, he's not bound by his creation. He's not bound by time. He's the eternal one. But what mm-hmm. we have to be able to look at within that is that, again, time was given for mankind and not for God himself. Right, right. And for the benefit of man. I um, Just real quick, for those who might be uh, interested, I did find uh, that verse I was thinking about. It's verse 22 of Genesis 8. Uh, it's the end of the Noetic Covenant. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So, hmm. yeah. So that was the that was the one that was sticking in my mind. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, when you think of that, what a wonderful promise, right? Right after right. the earth is destroyed by a flood, God gives a promise to Noah, saying, "These are. It's not just the sign of the rainbow, right? As long as you mm-hmm. have these marks of the seasons, you know right. that that end has not come." Right, exactly. Um, but again, time is a is is to benefit mankind, uh, not God. This is marked out by seasons. One of the things we again we mentioned, uh, of course, there's agricultural uh, benefits to seasons, which we uh, yeah. understand. Um, but you know, it it really speaks toward uh, tracking time, um, measuring time as we normally do. Um, in other words, if if you are the type of Christian that hates the celebration of of birthdays and anniversaries and yearly celebrations, uh, you know you're out of step uh, <laughs> with part of the very reason why God has given us time. Uh, this is clearly evident throughout the Old Testament with the various feasts, the festivals, uh, the things that uh, that Israel is uh, uh, commemorating on on a regular basis. You know the, the annual events uh, that are con- to continue. Um, there was no option of not doing these things. There was no option of you know saying, "Well, you know, this is I believe time is an illusion, so it doesn't it doesn't matter." Yeah. No. Um, it's built into, uh, time is built into the very fabric, um, of time itself when it comes to, to man's rest, um, and to not partake in the rest, uh, that God has set out for us. You know, we talk a lot about, uh, the Lord's day and, and things like that, but then just normative rest too, things like sleeping and, and taking a break and, and things like that. Um, to not partake in those things is to diminish God's creative wonder uh, in time. Uh, likewise, to fail in understanding the principle is to fail in applying uh, mercy where mercy is actually actually due. Um, yeah, what I th- when I think of that, I think again of the, the Pharisees, right? They look at Christ on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, they specifically bar him or condemn him rather for healing a man on the Sabbath. And, right, for showing mercy. Yeah, yeah, and they, they neglected to see the whole point of God's giving of them rest was an act of mercy for them. Um, mm-hmm. When you think about your own frailty, your finitude, um, everything that makes you who you are as a human being, your body right. literally cannot function without rest. You, right. you have to sleep every single day, or you'll just die at a certain point. Right, right. Yeah. And the things that, and again, those who refuse to rest, I mean, there's a whole, I mean, we'll, we'll probably get into this. There's a, there's a whole theological kind of um, implication behind refusing to rest also. Like not only Mm -hmm. is it bad for 
you know, your, your health, you know, uh, to rob yourself of, of sleep. Um, it's, it's strange how many Christians will say, like, I don't have time to rest. I don't have time to, uh, you know, sleep. I don't have time to take a break, you know, things like that. It's this weird, uh, tr- like this, this weird attempt to play, um, omnipotence or something Yeah, that, that, that the world cannot keep going unless you are involved in such and such and such thing. And for you to take a breath, uh, you know, take a breath and to take a break, everything is going to come, you know, unraveled. Uh, I think it was Piper. I think it was John Piper uh, who said that uh, sleep is a daily reminder that we're not God Yeah, because God never needs to sleep, but we do need to sleep. And so at some point you actually have to submit yourself to God and close your eyes and go to sleep. And even in that moment, you are trusting him to sustain you and to keep things going, you know, isn't it, isn't it just wild in one sense? Right. I mean, you you literally are, are just tapping out of reality for eight plus hours. Yeah. Yeah. And it's by presumption. Yeah. Right. And it's by design, you know, the Lord could have easily made it so that we didn't have to rest, but the things that we gain and learn from resting teach us about our own frailty, which is what you mentioned. And then it teaches us about God. I mean, how can we wrap our minds around never having to rest mm-hmm. and never being tired, you know? Um, and then of course you have all of these examples of that, that Christ laid down for us. Uh, that Christ has people clamoring for him. They're hungry, they're sick, they're curious, you know, the, there's thousands of people following him. And yet you see Christ getting away to rest and to pray, mm-hmm. you know. And so at some point, uh, again, if you're if you're a person that kind of fights this this idea of of rest, um at some point you have to ask yourself, honestly, um, <clears throat> am I greater than Christ? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yep. And, 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 uh, and, and actually wrestle, um, with that because there's this, there's this, uh, the two ends of it, you know, you have the, you have the sluggard on, on one end of the scale who just wastes time, little wasting of the time, hands you know, and a little, yeah, a little of folding eyes. of the hands, a little closing of the eyes, you know, that yeah. whole thing. And then you've got on this other, you know, extreme, uh, somebody who, uh, is so wound up, uh, that they cannot rest. And so you have both, you have sinful, you know, stuff on, on both ends of the, of the scale there. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, uh, you know, whether you think you have time or you don't have time, uh, whatever the case may be, uh, when we look at scripture, we see very clear evidence that time is limited and we don't know what our limits of time actually are. Yeah. Uh, you know, you may, you may live to be a hundred years old. Uh, you may, uh, I, I was reading some stuff, um, from, uh, Robert, uh, Murray McShane. Uh, and I always forget, uh, I always like freshly reminded that he died when he was like 30. Really? I yeah, like very, 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 very young. Uh, and so, um, I mean, I've already lived five years past him, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> and no I consider kidding. myself a young guy, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's, you don't know exactly how much time uh, you actually have. Um, 
in the context of of God's impending wrath on mankind, uh, the psalmist writes, So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Yeah. Um, yeah that, that's, that's the principle, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in, the, in the midst of the impending wrath that is to come. Right, so there is a day of judgment in which God will judge the righteous and the unrighteous, the wicked and mm-hmm. uh, the good, so to speak. And he right. just simply says, therefore, in light of that, may we live in recognition of that fact that there is a day coming where we will give up the ghost, so to speak, and uh, instead may it be accounted to us that we've given you a heart of wisdom. Right, that That's our offering, our spiritual service, if you will, to God. Much mm. of the time, I don't think we even reflect on something like that. Most of the time we get up day to day and just simply go about our day. We get up for work, we eat our breakfast, we have coffee, we give the kids and the wife a kiss goodbye, and we get in our car and just one thing right after the next, and especially in our American culture where everything is kind of that immediate sense of gratification or the immediate need to respond to something. Um, yeah. Our life is yeah. lived out in that way rather than thinking, mm-hmm. Lord, give me wisdom that I might actually present my days before you. Um, as if I've counted each one of them as precious and sought to right. honor you in them. Right. That was one of uh, Edwards's um, resolutions. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how he phrased it, but it was essentially to examine, to examine each day at the end of the day, and determine if it was lived rightly. You know, for Christ yeah. as a whole. Like if it was a day, like if it was time well spent. You know. Um, and man, I have to, I mean, I have to confess for myself. It's like, am I always thinking along those lines? No, <laughs> I know? wish, I wish like, I was laying right, down like, in bed just thinking, did I make good use of my day? <laughs> right, right, right. And then, and then have the, and then have the, uh, wherewithal to get up and, and go about the Lord's business the next day being very, very, you know, mindful of it. Uh, you know, the, the problem is, is that we are, uh, so easily distracted uh, we're so there's so many um, voices uh, calling at us and people pulling for our time and and we'll get into some of that when in the a- practical application of things, uh, but a lot of that just has to do with the practice of saying no, you know, yeah, yep. <laughs> saying no, saying no to, to, to even to good things uh, for better things. Um, I think I think of another Piper quote. Um, he said one of the great uses of social media at the end of all days will be that our lack of prayerlessness is not for a lack of time due to lack of time. Yeah. I know that one is just absolutely brutal, brutal. I actually have, so I have a few quotes. So in my office, uh, on my office door on the backside to when it's closed, I actually have that quote written on the back of my office door. Yeah, just as a just as a, a reminder. Right, right. How often exactly. do you catch yourself just kind of flipping through because oh yeah, you're tired yeah. and you're zoning out or whatever the case sure. might be, and then you watch one funny reel to the next, and all of a sudden sure. twenty minutes have gone by and you've done absolutely right. nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and, and that's where you get into that that whole area of. What is, you know, the appropriate amount of time? Like, is that a, is that an appropriate amount of time uh, to rest and things? I think it can be. Sure. For sure. 
It, it can be, but it can also get out of hand. And if you're doing those things at the expense of things that you're supposed to be doing, you know, you've got a whole nother problem. Yes. Uh, you know, going on, if you're supposed to be feeding your kids and instead you're watching <laughs> reels, you know, it's like, okay, Mommy. there's something. Yeah. <laughs> Mommy, kids are at the breakfast table. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but like many of the, the back kind of on that, um, we're talking about the, the, basically all of time as we know it funneling down to uh, this series of judgments. Um, cause, cause eventually, I mean, it is all heading that direction. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Psalmist uh, brings out that simple point. Like you mentioned, I think already Grayson, that, that God's wrath is sure. Uh, God's righteousness is deserving of awe. And our response should be then submission uh, to what God has directed us toward, uh, particularly in our use of the time that he has given us. Yeah. Um, Solomon, of course, in, in Ecclesiastes, um, talks a lot about death and vanity and time and energy and finances and things that are spent wrongly versus rightly. Uh, and, in reality, the death is the uh, it's the equalizer. Yeah, that all of us at some point, whether you live to be thirty, whether you live to be a hundred, uh, you will stand before God and you will answer. Uh, you will answer for your time. Yep. Um, yeah, we we tend to think of it just in terms of our deeds, our words, or things like that, but mm -hmm. in reality all of life will be before the face of God on that day. And mm. every bit of it will come before him as to how we have lived our lives. Have it, has it been to his glory? Has it been to our own vainglorious pursuits? Mm -hmm. uh, when you stop to think about that, it's actually very sober in reality, especially when life is such a short thing as, as Ecclesiastes right. also puts it, it's a vapor, it's transient, right. it's Havel, the reality mm -hmm. that, Everything in this world is passing away. Um, right. Gosh, I can't remember. It, you got to be pretty close to this because you're preaching through the Psalms right now, too. But when mm -hmm. David's talking about um, the men who were persecuted, and it's got to be in the 40s. I preached mm -hmm. on it a while ago, but he's talking about um, the oppressor is like a tall oak. And then he mm -hmm. looks out and the oak is gone. Um, right. And, and right. all of a sudden, his his focus aligns to this reality of God's permanence in the midst of God, uh, mankind's transient, right? right. So right. all he does is just look at this reality that mankind is a vapor that's very swiftly fading away. And I always picture, you know, Solomon at a later point picking up that psalm as he's gone through his whole life of just um, abject rebellion and idolatry right. as he's writing Ecclesiastes, mm -hmm. thinking about this idea of life being a vapor. Right. But right. how often do we... Again, just simply pause to contemplate on that reality, whether it's with our own lives, but especially when we start to get, um, for lack of a better way to put it, we start freaking out about all the different things going on in the world or people right. in power, right. people with wealth, um, prestige, mm -hmm. all of that. Um, mm -hmm. Ecclesiastes, David, all throughout scripture, it just says that's going to be swallowed up in the grave as time just simply does what time does best, which is move on right. minute by right. minute, second by second. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about, uh, you know, when, when you're looking at this, 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 um, picture of time 
as it pertains to the Christian in answering to God and, and all of those different sorts of things, you think about how many things just rot away, you know, the wood, hay and stubble yeah. of life uh, versus what, you know, has this has, what has an eternal um, impact of things, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so that, I mean, even trying to get that in our minds of, okay, so when I'm sorting my day out and I'm sorting out what is important and what is not important. Um, I mean, think of, think of the application that, that flows out from that, you know, yeah. even little things. I mean, even little things that you think about the like eternal potential, eternal implications of just taking time to worship with your family, you know, mm-hmm. um, even though you're busy and even though you've got other things going on and even though you've got to get to such and such a place and, you know, get to get the kids to school and yada, yada. But to, but to take that time, and be obedient to God and, you know, if you're a man, particularly to, to lead your family. Um, those are things that, 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 that reach beyond time. They don't mm-hmm. fall into the grave of time. Like those are valuable things that you're acting on, that you're commanded that will hopefully impact, you know, your children. Uh, it's an act of obedience toward God. Whereas, you know, other things may not be. And so we're trying to weigh, weigh out all of that is, uh, is a heavy thing too. I mean, we all have the same 24 hour day. Yeah. You know, I've talked with one of my fellow elders, uh, a number of times actually about just the reality where you look back on, on years with the kids, especially, and oh, yeah. you always yeah. wonder, um, you're like, crud, how much time did I just simply waste that could have been spent mm-hmm. in such a better way, whether it was mm-hmm. just giving the kids a hug, getting down on the floor and having a tickle fight with them, catechizing them, yeah. all those different things. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember who who he had referenced. Is Archibald Alexander or something? Somebody like that. Mm-hmm. But he had recently just bought a book about um, this guy at the end of it was writing a series of letters to all the people within his church, the older saints, mm-hmm. and he was hinting at this idea of how many people will look back on their life with regret over the time that was poorly spent. And he's like, even Mm -hmm. if you could get back in a time machine and you had all the knowledge that you have today, um, you would not necessarily go back and do any better because you live in the present and you still don't do that with the knowledge you have today. So it was, it was oddly convicting and encouraging at the same time. Right. Where, you know, you have to look at it in a sense of saying, okay, maybe, maybe I have screwed up and I've squandered some time that God has given me. Well, today's the day to repent. Today's the day to be faithful. And when you fall yet again, because you will as a finite man, um, the next day is the day to repent. And that is the day to be faithful. That's in essence, if we could get one thing drilled into your head, it would be that just recognize where you fall short but recognize mm-hmm. that our our aim, our primary obligation, um, as Scripture would put it, as mankind, is simply that all of our life and time, so to speak, is to be bound in this reality of worship to our Creator as He is due. And what does that practically look like for you as an individual, as a family, whatever the case might be? Um, what we're trying to say is for you to, first and foremost, be able to make the most of your time. For one, you have to have genuine faith, but for two... Right. As a Christian, you have to live the days out with wisdom, and there's only one real way mm-hmm. to do that, 
And that's to simply live by reference to God and his commandments in the word. Right. Right. Exactly. But uh, part and parcel to that, though, is the reality we, we just don't know what each day holds, right? Right. Right. Yeah. It's that uh, uh, classic uh, uh, James 4 passage. Uh, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, uh, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Just a brutal passage in so many yeah. ways. Right. Um, well, and it's the, in, in the, in calling it. So I've always, I've always thought it was particularly uh, pointed uh, to call that uh, the whole uh, assumption about tomorrow um, that it's, that it's arrogance. That's arrogance. It's, it's acting as if God owes you another day to do the things that you should be doing today, for example, we kind of get that with, with procrastination, mm -hmm. uh, but just assuming that God's going to give you, you know, a, another day and that you would operate your life in such a way that it does not involve him and his yep. will and what he wants, but that you're just going to run out your time the way that you decide, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the fool. It's the, it's the fool who builds the barns, right? Yep. Um, going to do this and this going to store it up for many years. I'm going to be good to go. Retirement is around the corner. Now fool tonight, your soul will be required of you. you know? Yeah. And nobody ever thinks that about themselves. Usually. No, I, I guess I won't say nobody. I mean, there are some people, I mean, obviously if you're, you know, you know, terminal, or things like that, then you're, you're thinking along those lines. Uh, but nobody really wakes up thinking, you know, today's the day that I'm going to die. No, I mean, check the calendars in your relative's home. How many of them have today's the day of my death written on them at some point? None of them. And instead, you'll find dentist appointment or you'll find uh, dance recital next week, whatever the case, case might be with their right. schedule. Which is but, worse than death. Yeah. yeah I mean, truthfully. <laughs> My cousin's graduation, Lord, take me beforehand. But Please. if you think about that, that's, oh man. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm already beyond the dance recital thing. Um, James says that's wicked boasting. It's evil. The dance right. recital. <laughs> no, but I mean, uh, think about that with respect to a calendar, right? We, we chart, chart out our lives um, mm -hmm. for a full year, even half the time, at least some, oh, sure. some yeah. people do. I'm, I'm not that right. productive. I'll be honest there. Uh, but I've right. at least got things scheduled out for the next several weeks. And in my calendar, there's never a, a little LW next to it for Lord willing. Um, the reality yeah, is I right. have intents and plans to go do those things. And yet, according to James four, that's wicked boasting. Right. Right. But again, I think, I think again, the, the, the crux of it is, is that in your planning that even being mindful of if the Lord wills it. And I think, and I think the mindfulness of if the Lord wills it really comes out and proves itself when the plan dissolves. Yes. Right. 
uh, and how you react to the plan dissolving, the vacation getting canceled, uh, some disaster coming along that prevents you from doing something you're going to do, uh, you know, running, you know, running late because of things that were out of your hand, you know, the car wouldn't start or whatever, like how you respond to that uh, indicates how much you're living in a, if the Lord wills it mindset. Yeah. There, there should be a presumption behind everything that is not that arrogant presumption, that boastfulness right. or that, that pride, but that presumption that at any point, God has the free reign and right to spoil any which one of my plans that he desires to. And right. that's where I would say that the mindset for really my comes good and it. for his glory. Yes. <laughs> yes. And amen. Right. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> I remember when, when we were first doing that, we started doing that with our kids where I would leave the home and um, I'd say, uh, you know, I'll see you when I get home, Lord willing. And yeah. they would all stop. And um, especially as they were getting older and connecting the dots, they'd look at me and they're like, you'll come home. Right. I'm like, Lord willing. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll come home. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're going to, you're going to come home. <laughs> That's my plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's right, like, right, guys, yeah. I have no intent to not come home. Right. Well, the, of course they're kids. They're worried that I'm going to die and not come home. But it's like, there was a point where I had to have that conversation with all three of them and just say, look, um, right. I have every intent to come home. Daddy will never, ever just not show up at home. Yeah, uh, when I say Lord willing, home, what yeah. that means, right. though, is that I don't know the days that I have, and the Lord might mm -hmm. will that I don't come home. Um, mm. That's still good and right within his providence, and we have to learn to accept that. And what I was trying to do was just simply teach them uh, behind everything that we plan for, even though we can make the best of plans, Ultimately, right. God's the one that's in sovereign control, and we have to trust him. Yeah, right, right. But I, I think of all this stuff, I mean, there's a couple of different examples that I had written down here, too, as far as like the virgins with the oil in their lamps, the Tower of Siloam. Mm. Um, all these mm -hmm. different things are testifying to the same reality where we just don't know the days that are marked out for us. And so the overarching mm. principle that Scripture simply gives us is, for one, in light of how uncertain the times are and how uncertain life is in general, we ought to fear the Lord, right? We have to have a, a genuine faith or um, trust in, in Christ himself. And then right, secondly, right. we are to keep his commandments. So therefore, we obey in light of that genuine faith. Um, overarchingly, mm -hmm. that's what scripture focuses on, grandly speaking. So if you don't have those foundations at your base level, no matter how wisely right. you might use your time, you know, you could plan for everything within your retirement. You could be the guy who's building up your storehouses and laden them with all sorts of goods. And right. yet your life will be demanded of you when the Lord wills. Mm -hmm. So everything has to flow from this proper understanding of a right relationship with God through Christ. But also uh, the reality we've, we've already touched on. There is a day coming where judgment will happen. Right. Once you start with that foundation... I would argue then and only then can you actually start to navigate time with wisdom accordingly. So right, what I mean by right. that is unless you have genuine faith in Christ, um, no matter what you do, you're living unwisely with the time you've been given. Right. 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 But once yes. you have faith in Christ, then, then it enables you to actually um, embrace proverbial wisdom and look at time appropriately mm. and be able to say, okay, even though I'm safe in the arms of Christ, when I go to die, there is a simple reality in which I need to navigate this time wisely. 
Uh, right. And I can now I, make the most of the time that God has, has given me. Yeah. Yep. So right. I, Tozer, A.W. Tozer put a quote here, and this is, an, is another one that's good, but uh, he's talking about this reality as, as a Christian. Um, you know, arguably you can apply it to a non-Christian too, because this is just a reality of time. But think of this in light of having a genuine profession of faith in Christ, right? You believe the gospel, you love the gospel, you cherish it, um, and yet you're struggling with how you best manage your time. Well, Tozer mm -hmm. says this. He says, time is a resource that is non-renewable and non-transferable. You cannot store it up, slow it up, or hold it up. Divide it up or give it up. You can't hoard it up or save it for a rainy day. When it's lost, it is unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. Wild. That's just a... Uh, when you kill time, remember, it has no resurrection. Yep. So of all the different things you've heard about redeeming the time, right, that's... Think of that behind that reality. Um, right, right. Redeeming the time is not that I can make up for lost time, but that essentially, right. with whatever time I have left, right. I therefore use it wisely. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing, like, because in Scripture, as you read through it, all of the association, like, with time and life is always about the brevity of life. Yes. It's never about, like, wow, days are so long, like, what is, time drags on and on forever. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> no, uh, your life is, is very short. You know, Ephesians 5, uh, 14 through 6 uh, speaks of the days being short. And it commands us, you know, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, uh, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. So yeah, we've yep. been given this, you know, we've been given this, this block and we are to use it wisely and trusting the Lord with the brevity, the relative brevity uh, of life. And then along with that, Colossians 4, 5 commands us, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity, or you could say of the time. Uh, so in essence, both of these passages uh, direct us toward considering how we might live wisely in an age that is incredibly unwise. Yeah. Yeah, when you look at those two verses, neither one of them are looking at this idea of just simply how to be productive. Like, I mean, it's not saying right. uh, these are your life verses that you can plaster upon your walls at your cubicles so that way you can make the most of your eight-hour day. <laughs> right. The reality of what he's speaking to <laughs> is that as citizens in Christ's kingdom, um, in your holy living and in your witness for the sake of the gospel, how do you therefore make the, the best use of your time? So to make that even more clear, God's concern for us as Christian in how we redeem the time, um, largely in the New Testament is seen in this reality through obedience to his commandments and obedience to the Great Commission. Right. The, the days are short, meaning, again, judgment is hastening. Um, our purpose in life, whatever vocation you might be called to, whether you're a pastor, you're a businessman, uh, you're a stay-at-home mom, the reality is mm -hmm. that our lives ought to be a reflection of those two principles, right? Holy right. living and obedience to the Great Commission. You know, Christ says in Matthew 28 to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them um, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Yep. And lo, yep. I am with you until the very end of the age. 
that is, in essence, what we've been called to do with the time we've been given. Right. Right. So when you look at the Old Testament, though, there's actually quite a bit that's stated, um, or what I would say is maybe more practical advice for people that are looking for something in terms of how do I best manage my time. Mm. Um, but it wouldn't be so much as time management, so much as a dichotomy between the lazy man or the sluggard and the right. industrious person. And, right. and that's where most of the things will hit us kind of straight in between the eyes. Mm. So I, I jotted down just five verses from Proverbs. I mean, there's probably at least 40 that I could think of as I was going through this outline, but there's, uh, I mean, that's just in the book of Proverbs, right? So he starts, the way of the lazy is a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. That's Proverbs fifteen nineteen. Again, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth, as Proverbs ten four. This one's a good one. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. Proverbs twenty six fourteen. Uh, Proverbs twelve twenty four. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor or slavery. And then my personal favorite, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but will not even bring it back to his mouth. So it right. talks about just how freakishly lazy the sluggard truly mm. is, is that mm. even to what would be a, a life-nourishing activity as far as eating, right. he can't be bothered to bring it back up to his mouth. Uh, right. There's other ones that talk about just the sluggard being um, smoked to the eyes and vinegar to the teeth to the man who sends him. Uh, right. The, the, reality of Proverbs is just looks at it and says there is nothing good about the lazy man. And I think if we were to, to boil things down to it in, in our talk of time management, much of what we deal with today is actually, I would say, just a guise for sheer laziness. Mm. Like if I were to be mm. brutally, brutally honest with people, um, and, and this is myself, I can I can give you my own personal example here, but um, before I was a Christian, I was an incredibly lazy man, so much so that I, I flunked out of college because I just couldn't be bothered to go to class or even do the work. Mm. Um, when I went back to my undergrad, I had to relearn how to study and do all that. But when I got to my graduate degree, I made it an actual purpose to get straight A's, not because I wanted to boast of getting straight A's, but literally because I was so stinking lazy. In even right. my undergrad, after I became a Christian, that what I needed to do was literally walk in repentance. And so there was no secret sauce. There was nothing that made me necessarily a smarter student than the rest of the people in which I could get the A. It was I planted my butt in a chair and read 100 pages, and I didn't get up to right. use the bathroom until I finished that 100 pages. Because I was so stinking lazy that I would, if I did right. that, I knew right. I would go and stop reading or I'd pick up my phone and do something yeah. else. And sure. it was just an excuse in my, that was how I had to do it. I was, I had to be militant with myself because I was right. the sluggard. Mm. Isn't there an easier way to get out of being a sluggard? I just, yeah, it sounds really. like it's tough work, Grace. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just uh, just do it. <laughs> right, right. Just do it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, again, uh, yeah that that comparison of the industrious man and the sluggard, there there can be a lot learned uh, there. And you know, I would say too, just as a little caveat, that just because you're very busy does not mean you are industrious. 
Yes. And just because you are very busy does not mean that you are not lazy because you might be busy about uh, wicked things or foolish things or things that just simply uh, don't matter, you know? Yep. Um, and so it's not always, you know, the picture of the lazy person is not always uh, just laying in bed, though that is, you know, can be uh, part of it. Uh, but it can be just filling your days with worthless uh, things as well, which is a yeah. particular danger, I think, for people in our uh, culture and our society, because we have so many worthless things available to us uh, to just eat up our time. You know, yeah, we can so easily be about uh, dumb things that just don't matter. Um, as we're looking at uh, some of these other sections, um, when we consider the the wealth of of what the Book of Proverbs alone tells us, uh, there's these these principles um, that apply uh, that apply to time management. Uh, I guess we could say. Um, so some of the principles, some of the, the disciplines, I guess you could say that we, we pick up things like, you know, reading your Bible, uh, catechizing your kids or teaching your kids, training your kids, bringing them up in, in the ways of righteousness, uh, you know, prayer, you know, I think of, um, in, in first Thessalonians five, when Paul is, is kind of, uh, winding everything down, he gives those final, uh, instructions, uh, and he says things as simple as, um, rejoice, hmm. remain in prayer, be thankful, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and be thankful in all circumstances. I mean, just the simple command of, of something like praying, um, is that when you are praying, you are not wasting time. Like that is a good thing that you can be like, that is a good business that you can be about, uh, things like, you know, again, praying some of those other things I mentioned, uh, you know, serving in your church, um, which uh, again, serving in your church can get, you can do so sinfully. Yep. If you're abusing or, you know, if you're neglecting other duties that you're supposed to be doing, uh, or if you're trying to um, be a man pleaser, you know, and get, you know, pats on the back and things like that. That's the thing is there's so many little nuances to so many yeah. of these things uh, that it's really, uh, it, it really involves a, a heart check because again, even something like serving your church, you can be sinfully busy in that, you know, yep. you won't rest. You won't spend time with your family because you just got to be, you know, serving at every, you know, tr every church event or things like that. So, and that kind of stuff happens. It may sound crazy, but that kind of thing, uh, you know, does, does actually take place. Well, it, it does. I think people can come in with the best of motivations, even with it. And they're trying right. to honor the Lord. They're even trying to honor their right. own family. And yet right. what happens in the midst of it is uh, they forget mm -hmm. some of those simple principles. Again, we talked about rest at the very beginning of this, right? It, right. It, it's a right. wonderfully simple principle of just setting aside a day to rest. Right. And right. yet one of the last things that somebody who's busy about the work of uh, busyness, so to speak, would be rest. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So that I would argue there's a, a sinful or poor use of time. Right, but, right, exactly. Yeah. And in and, and all of this stuff, like the things that are clearly commanded, okay, the, the spiritual disciplines and things that are laid out, uh, you know, evangelism, um, again, bringing up your children, praying, like these things that are so very clear and they're repeated several places in scripture and all that. If you're looking at those things and you're saying, I just don't have time to do that. 
the problem is, and I can say this very confidently, is not that you don't have time. You are just not prioritizing. You're prioritizing other things over uh, the things that you have been commanded to do. And maybe even good things. You may have even been, uh, you may even be prioritizing good things over the best things. Yeah. Um, perhaps what you, uh, perhaps you truly don't have time for that in the case of, um, again, you're not prioritizing things the way that you should. <laughs> uh, this concept of foregoing good things uh, for the best things or the necessary things. Um, if, if we're not doing that, if we're putting good things over the best things, um, we're, we're distracted, I would say. Yeah. Right. Well, think of it and even it, in light of Hebrews 12, right? Um, mm -hmm. The author of Hebrews talks about this reality. We, we are, and what we typically glom onto that with is forsaking the sin and fixing our eyes on Christ. But he also talks about this reality of every weight, which entangles. Tangles uh, us, right. Yep. And it right. doesn't even necessarily mean that it's a sinful thing. It could be a really good thing. It could be a thing that you enjoy. Um, but what it does is take you up away from running that race and fixing your eyes upon Christ. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, in right. light of that, if it's a distraction or a hindrance, he just says, ditch it, get rid of it. Um, it's not right. worth it. Right, right. I mean, and these are things like that we that we weigh ourselves down with, um, uh, you know, extra. It's not always necessary to take up the extra assignments at work. Mm -hmm. It's not always necessary for you to be, you know, involved in the uh, PTA. It's not always necessary for you to be the assistant coach of the basketball team or, or whatever the case. I mean, there could be a thousand applications that way. Those are good things, but if they are supplanting things that you are supposed to be doing, for example, I mean, this is an easy one. I don't have time to go to church because I have to do this other thing. That's not an act of mercy uh, or it's not an act of providence, things that we've talked about before. If you want to hear yeah. about church attendance, you can listen back in season one. <laughs> we covered it quite thoroughly, <laughs> yes, but you know, but again, it's, it's, it's good things and, and best things. And so you have to ask, okay, what are the good things? If I find myself so pressed for time that I can't do the things I'm commanded to do, what are the weights that are entangling me that I need to cast off? Yeah. And we've been there. I mean, I, at least I can speak for myself. I've certainly been there. There have been a number of things that I took on, uh, even during seminary time, where we got mm -hmm. a young budding family. I'm trying to take care of them. I'm working full-time. I'm doing seminary full-time. Right. And there's like five or six different ministries that I'm involved in at the church. And I started yeah. doing actually this with Jack when we were starting up the blog and all that. And uh, one time I was sitting down with one of our pastors for, for counsel. And I was like, when I, when I get home, I'm just, I'm tired. I just, I just want to relax a little bit. Um, and he, he looked at me and listed off all the different things that I was doing. And he's like, okay, so let me just ask you, how much of it did you choose to do? Mm -hmm. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Cause I'm like, Oh, all of it. <laughs> right, right. Every, right. every last bit of that. And he's like, so you've got an option here. Either you suck it up. And you come home and stop tuning out with your family. Yeah, right. Or you still suck it up, but you get rid of some things that you don't need to do. Right, and, right. 
it, it was actually a weight off my back because they, again, there was, there was some pride, I think, and some sinful pride there where mm-hmm. I had to take a step back and say, okay, um, I don't need to be doing every last one of these different things. There, there sure. are surely other sure. people who can, who, who can serve and probably better than I can with how much I'm spreading myself thin. Um, right. But of course my, my wife was very, very pleased about that too. Cause then, right. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm fulfilling a yeah. basic obligation as a husband to just see right. her in presence. Yeah. In yeah, presence. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah. And, and, and what you mentioned too, Grayson is that sometimes there's that assessment uh, that you have to look at and say, well, maybe this is an issue of, of sin and pride. And that can be in overscheduling, which is some of the things we talked about, of course, but it can also be in laziness. And there are so yeah. many, uh, there are so many, and, and we've talked about this off camera before uh, yeah. because we're both very interested in, uh, you know, biblical counseling and things like that. And that so many things, issues of life have been, uh, you know, attributed some psychological uh, impairment uh, that is outside of yourself, that I'm lazy because of this thing, this thing, and this thing. But the problem is, is that the Bible does not speak like, particularly of laziness, does not speak of laziness in a, in a psych, as a, as a psychological disease okay. no um yeah you, you won't find not, it uh, right. in scripture even though you might find it in the dsm five or six or whatever they're on yeah now. exactly exactly it's it's not it's not this issue of of brain function it's laziness is a uh, it's a deliberate choice or a lack of choices uh that you that you face and that you act on um and again laziness there's nowhere in the bible that the laziness uh that they speak of laziness highly yeah uh, but rather it is something that is uh not seen in a good light uh so if you are a lazy man or a woman uh what it truly boils down to is that the problem is our problem it's half-heartedness um it's that we tend toward being uh lazy creatures who again arrogantly presume that god has given us more time uh, than he actually has given us. And it goes back to that Tozer quote that, that the killing of time, it is not resurrected. It can't be regained. Yeah. Uh, it can't be purchased back. Uh, and so we fool ourselves with procrastination in particular. Um, we talk about, you know, time management and things like that. Uh, you know, making excuses like I'm neurodivergent. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the new one, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, or whatever the 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 uh, in vogue psychological framework might oh, be to uh... to move to move my sinfulness, uh, and remove it from me, and, and to make it not my my issue. Yeah, I was I was talking about this with my wife actually today, where there's a new TikTok trend where um, basically. Um, if you didn't know it, at least three quarters of the population is now on the spectrum for autism based on yeah. TikTok science. So, okay. yeah. So there's, I mean, this is when we, I, I say that all tongue in cheek. Okay. I know right. there are people that um, are on the spectrum who legitimately have autism. I have a really good friend right. who is autistic, but right. what I look at and I, I find almost obscene is how many people in our culture will leap to all sorts of different issues and call it a psychological malady or a physiological right. issue instead right. of just owning up to the fact that they just don't want to do something 
Right. In my mind, I'm like, I can at least respect you a little bit if you'll own it. What is a strange cultural phenomenon, uh, particularly amongst teenagers I've seen, is that back in the day, like, and when I say back in the day, I mean like when I was a teenager, um, these like these kind like what well, I don't know how do you how would you phrase this impairments I guess uh, you could say impairments impairments were not something that you flaunted no right it wasn't something that you wore as a badge of pride it was at least in where I grew up in my setting and my culture and all this stuff like that was for you to for you to walk around and to list off all of your psychological impairments would be like blood in the water to sharks at the school I went to, you know? Uh, but now thing has, the culture has changed in such a way that it actually has become a badge of pride to have as many issues as possible. Yeah. Which means that people bring on to themselves, um, they bring on to themselves, uh, labels, uh, because they saw a TikTok video or they saw, you know, something that said, well, you know, there's something psychologically wrong with you. If you, if you do this, then you've got, you know, this thing, that thing, and the other thing. And I found that again, particularly with, with teenagers, uh, that there is almost a pride in brokenness. It's yeah, a contest I- of, of who, who's got the most issues and the most issues that need to be, um, catered to. You know, part of me has wondered if some of this, I mean, because everything that we see right now is just this trickling down of uh, psycho or psychoanalytical thought, right? Mm-hmm. So all these different concepts that Freud and Jung and others were, you know, labeling back in the 1800s um, and everything trickling down through higher academia is now coming down into the cultural milieu. And so right. what, what's what been the big thing over the last several years, but something like intersectionality um Mm. and and so part of my question is and and this is literally me just being um a guy who's thinking through it in one sense right now but uh, i wonder how much of everything we see right now is built off of this same idea of victimhood where oh yeah yeah right you know i've got these intersections of oppression um and therefore nobody can say anything edgewise to me and i'm not saying everybody who says these things are doing that but um, right. What I am saying is I think it's it's far too common and far too prevalent to where I can actually treat it with validity on the whole and say, right. I don't think this is anything different than just a different expression of the same thing we've been seeing for the past 10 years, just in right. nefarious, sexually deviant right, ways right. before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and if you look at it in this light, um, it, it, it does and I think you were kind of mentioning that was that uh, it does in a way to wear, to wear these um, to wear the victimhood uh, or at least the perceived victimhood, it does put a bit of a hedge of protection around mm-hmm. you. So say, so say just for example, I'm coming with this off my head. Say I'm a man that is prone to laziness and spiritual depression. Okay. Uh, two things that the Bible deals with clearly and pointedly. Okay. Uh, and gives solutions to both spiritual depression and laziness. All right. But if I take those two things and then I assign to them, um, this outside, uh, psychological kind of, um, labeling to it, 
now all of a sudden I've, I've hedged myself of where scripture can't really speak to it and yeah. nobody else can really speak to it, you know, unless of course they're telling me what I want to, uh, hear, you know? Yeah. It's a hard word, but a good word. I mean, I want everybody to hear that carefully. Um, we all have a tendency to do that just simply mm -hmm. because of the wickedness of our own hearts. Mm. So if anybody's out there thinking that we're attacking you as a result of everything we just said in the past five to 10 minutes, just recognize that we are two guys um, who have battled our own laziness over yeah. a period of years and battled different subsetting sins that yeah. the, the, re the reality of what we're talking to is that it, there is, again, that contrast that Proverbs lays out very clearly between those who are slack of hand and those who are diligent. And that's what we have to reconcile with at the end of the day is not modern psychoanalytical thought, not your best friend Susie's thought, but ultimately what the Word of God says. And yeah. we have to see there are natural blessings and natural cursings that stem as a result of our own actions. And right. As pastors, especially, we, we're always trying to get people to see this reality as that God gives very clear boundaries within his word about what we are to do in light of mm -hmm. um, our faith in him. Um, and that if we disobey, there are certain negative consequences to that. That's just a, a reality right. of, of life in general. Right. So when we get down to it at the end of the day with all this stuff, what we are trying to say in essence is that how we use our time will be taken into account by God. Uh, how we've yeah. navigated our life, what hobbies we've had, all those different things will be factored. And we right. will either use the talents that we have been given wisely or we will squander them. That doesn't mean right. go out, don't go out and enjoy um, a game of golf every once in a while. What it just simply means is have we navigated what, we ought to navigate. Have we prioritized what God says we ought to prioritize? Are we using right. the things that we enjoy even to say or for, to the furtherance of the kingdom of God? Mm -hmm. um, so when we look at all of that, what we want to look at is say, uh, in my life in the here and now, how am I living in such a way that I'm making an impact eternally? Right. It matters right. not only in this life, but the next life to come. Right. So if you are the lazy man, if you are the lazy woman, um, how do you fix that, Blake? Um, well, we've got some practical, practical ways, uh, uh, written down here. Uh, for one, uh, we need to realign our priorities with what God prioritizes. This is the foundational, uh, kind of territory. We have to say, what has God said and how does that apply to my day? Uh, you know, the reality is, is that uh, many people want to be the exception, but your chances are you're not the exception. You know, it yeah. talks about a man, uh, you know, working and, and providing for his family, for example. I mean, there may be a guy listening who's paralyzed and can't work. You know, there may be this rare exception because we live in a sinful fallen world. But the reality is, is that, um, you know, you're, you're probably not the exception. So when we're looking at things about like what God prioritizes, uh, we just have to take an honest assessment of what has God said? How does this apply to my day? Um, if if we don't filter our day through what God prioritizes, uh, then we will uh, suffer under uh, the the tyranny of the urgent. Yeah. Have you ever read that little book? 
No, I haven't. It was a, it's like a little four, four pager. I mean, super, mm-hmm. super short. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to read it back in seminary, but the whole gist of it is essentially that because we are faced with all sorts of decisions on a daily basis, uh, right. the tyranny of the urgent is that we often make decisions that are not wise because we believe that they require urgency. Um, right. And so the whole thesis is just to say that much that we think is urgent is not really all that urgent. Um, and suffice it to say, if you are not in line with God's priorities in Scripture, you're always going to get that mixed up. Right. Like you have no choice but to get that mixed up because you're yeah. operating on your own intuition or the culture's whims or whatever else it might be. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So again, prioritizing um, what God prioritizes. Uh, you know, another thing, and this is a this is a big thing, and this is something that uh, I had to learn as a young pastor. Um, and I'm sure that you have had to learn it too. Oh, brother, I'm uh, still trying to learn it. Learn to say no. Yeah. You know, learning to say no to things, even if uh, they are good things. Um, you know, there's, you, you can't do everything. You can't be everywhere. There are things that are urgent and there are things that are not urgent. Uh, you know, I think, um, we've, we've talked about this, you know, about being a pastor and, uh, protecting your time. Uh, it's, it's important, not just for pastors, but for, for everyone, everyone, Mm -hmm. uh, to have, you know, protected time with their families. You know, typically for pastors, it's, it's Monday, typically. Uh, but sometimes things come up, you know, sometimes things come up as a, as a young man, I thought that every phone call, um, had some urgency to it. You know, pastor, I need to, I need to talk to you right now, or I need to meet, I need to do whatever. What I found was, is that, uh, not all those things were actually urgent. Yeah. Then they weren't all emergent. Some things could wait until you know, the next day, uh, and to have protected time, uh, with your family, for example, uh, you do have to learn to say no, uh, to get your, uh, necessary tasks down again, as like, as a pastor, is it, is it right, uh, that we forego prayer and preaching the word to wait tables, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, so there's, there's some prioritizing and things that go on there and that may look different in your life. Uh, but there are things that you will have to say no to. Um, you may have a good opportunity come up on Sunday that you will say no to so that you can preserve the Lord's day for rest and worship. Um, again, application upon application there, of course, mm-hmm. um, we need to look at time as it truly is as a gift from God uh, that is limited uh, and for the purpose that he has uh, ordained for us. I, you know, if I think um, if we looked at it truly as a gift, we would treat our days differently. I think so. Um, if your, if your spouse gives you something uh, that is particularly precious, um, you're going to treat it well, hopefully, you know, yeah. And you'll care for it. Um, you'll examine it. You know, you'll uh, do whatever it takes, obviously, uh, to preserve that thing rightly because it's precious to you, and it was given to some, given to you by someone who loves you, right? Um, and so, again, this is something that God has gifted to us, uh, and so we don't know the day that God will call us home. 
um, we don't know what tomorrow holds, uh, that uh, those aspects of his, of his secret will. Um, but in the end, uh, our time will be uh, held to an account by God and by him alone. At the end of the day, you, you, you're not answering uh, to anyone but God once your life is up. Yeah. So the question then is, are we living in such a way that we have ultimate reference that we will please him in that regard? Right. That's a hard question, but right. it's a question that we have to ask. Um, right. If God alone is the one that we will stand before and give an account for our days, um, will we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or will we be like the man who buried his talents in the ground and right. squandered what, what was given to us? Right, right. And maybe at this point, I think, and when we briefly mention this, maybe at this point you're listening to this and you're like, I am very discouraged because I have wasted so much of my life. I have not listened. Uh, I did not listen to John Piper and I have wasted my life and I've, you know, done lots of things again. Um, the, the joy is that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Yes. And just because, you know, you've been a loaf yesterday or last week or the last 10, 20, 30 years, again, you can't go back and change those things. All you can do is move forward and do right by the time that God has given you left. So don't let that, um, so don't be dragged down into despair uh, and let that despair then immobilize you for the future. Yeah. And, and recognize the reality that God considers your frame. like if we talked about the reality of just the transient nature of mankind, you better believe God himself understands that every bit right. of mankind is equally as transient as this world that's fading away besides the soul, which he has redeemed through Christ. Mm-hmm. So as much as you might seek to be 100% on fire for the Lord, all the days of your life, chances mm-hmm. are you're going to be like every last one of us. And you're going to wake up in a week, even if you try to. And yeah still do something that you regret or waste time right. that you regret. And you, ha- and you will have mountains and you will have valleys yes. in your life. Again, and, and some of that is just that, um, I think getting into that practice of discipline of, again, the Edwards thing, assessing, mm-hmm. was today a day that was well spent for eternity or wasn't it? Yes. I mean, even just simply applying that question will change tomorrow, you know, if, if, we, if we ask it. Um. We must understand, uh, back to kind of our, our application here, we must understand that the time uh, we have been given has an intrinsic purpose, uh, and it is to make much of the kingdom. Uh, and so it's not just a, the time that we've been given is not just a kind of uh, dead uh, mingle time, you know, like, yeah. oh, just mingle amongst yourselves, you know, taught things like that, that there is uh, a kingdom purpose behind the time that we have been given. Um, how do we, how do we go about uh, capturing the, the essence of the kingdom time uh, that God has given us in its intrinsic purpose? I would just simply say, I mean, I've got a note here, obviously, but I would say a probably better summary of it would be the first and second greatest commandments, right? Mm-hmm. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Um, in essence, that's a summation of the law. It's that like, easy. It's that it. easy. It's all just, you need to do. Just, 
just do those just, two things and you've got it wrapped up. All of your heart. <laughs> mine is, yeah. um, but my point with that is simply say, when, when you look at every aspect of your life, just start to reflect upon how does this honor God and how does this honor my neighbor? Um, yeah. How am I honoring his word and doing what he's commanded? How am I making the most of the time that I have with the people around me? You could make the most of the time, believe it or not, by sitting in a room with your church friends and for an hour just building that relationship because you guys are goofing around over what other people would say may maybe a s- stupid stuff. Um, right. But right. you're actually taking invested time in those people to not only develop sure. the relationship, but then... Lord willing, later on, you can continue in such a way that you now speak into their life in a very meaningful way six months from now when their grandma dies, right? Right, right, yeah. There are so it's many that, intangible it's that Yeah, yeah, yep. it's that. And in, in those relationships, too, you're looking for that blend of, of socializing and fellowshipping. Yep. Uh, that socializing is that aspect of, yeah, you're, you're talking about the weather, you're joking around, you're doing whatever, talking about life in general. Uh, but fellowship is those conversations that you're able to have that are strictly surrounding the things of God. Uh, and so it, are those wasted times? I, I don't, I don't think so. Oh, I don't um, think so. I, I've thought, you know, I thought, cause I went to, you know, the Bible college I went to, you know, you spend a lot of time just sitting in the dorms, you know, pontificating with other idiot freshmen like yourself, <laughs> you know, and think, you know, and talking about these grand concepts and theologies and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, there's there's been times kind of coming out of that. I thought that was kind of some of that was kind of just a waste of time. But then as I go back and think, I was like, well, no, not really, um, because we were spending time talking about the things of God. We we're trying to work things through our own theologies and our own application mm-hmm. of life and and all of those things. And even some of those, you know, silly uh, what were seemingly silly debates uh, that we had. I think ultimately were for the betterment. Uh, the spiritual betterment of of those young men, myself included, uh, who were in on those things, you know. Yeah. But we also have a warning in Scripture about foolish debates. So yes. where's the line? Yeah. You know. So where's the line then? Uh, and and I think it comes down to again, am I substituting these things, uh, or am I going about these things rather than the things that God has commanded me? to do yeah so again operatively in the beginning we said all this is going to require a lot of wisdom and discernment and and that's right i mean it's going to be key in this because we can't give you i can give you ways this applies in my life and i can tell you all the ways mm-hmm. that i do it um and you might dutifully obey my you know five golden principles for time management and then right. at the end of it figure do you out have the, five golden that, principles for time management no just silver and bronze <laughs> <laughs> I got some tinfoil principles. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. <laughs> it's like he just polished a aluminum ball there. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, at, at the end of it, if you if you are thinking that somehow we've figured out the secret here, that's not the whole point. Uh, the whole point right. is that none of us can do it apart from Christ. Uh, none of us can do it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. None of it can. None of us can do it apart from the power of the Word. Uh, we have to right. pray and ask God that he would not only give us much wisdom, um, but empower us to actually walk in faithfulness to these things. Right. It's that, uh, is that Philippians 2, uh, is it 2.13? Uh, there's God works in you both the will and the ability so, yeah. to carry out his good will. You know, yep. that if the Lord commands it, he also supplies the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to 
act on the thing that he has commanded you to do. Yeah. Which is one of the glorious parts of being a Christian. I mean, that's just, I just love that, that passage yeah. and that truth. Yeah. Um, the, the, the longer I'm in the Christian faith, um, the more I'm just astounded by how gracious God really is and stuff like that. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've not only been forgiven richly of your sin, but you have the empowerment by the spirit or, you know, God himself in the spirit to equip you the, to then walk in his commandments all that you right. might please him. So it's every bit of his work Trinitarian wise. Um, right. You don't get the glory for any of it and you just get the benefit of it. God gets right. the praise, God gets the honor and you can look back on it and think, okay, so even that which I repented in that took me far too long to repent in because I'm an adult, right, uh, God was right. so kind and merciful all the way through that to actually then empower me to get out of that stupidity, yeah. which is just amazing. Yeah. yeah. All four good works that he has preordained for us, you know, yeah. from the foundation of time, you know, that we yeah. might walk in them, you know? So yeah, I mean, that's just, that's, that's good stuff. Um, so finally, we, we kind of want to wrap all this down and I don't even know what time are we at? We are way we got, over. We're right? way over. Yeah. Hour and a half. Jack that's is okay. going to be ticked. He's going to be loaded. No, well, this is what yeah. happened when you let the Baptist yeah. stuff play. Yeah. Yep. Should have been here to manage things, Jack. Right. Um, finally, a long uh, we, time management episode, right, right, right. The irony, <laughs> right. Yeah. The irony of us not managing our time very well right now for this episode. Um, keep it at an hour. How about an hour and 45? Let's do <laughs> Um, I think finally to kind of like wrap it all down, uh, we do need to take seriously the command to rest. And I know we've yeah. touched upon this uh, a little bit is uh, you can work and work and work until the day you die. Uh, But again, the creation narrative itself testifies to the necessity for man to rest. You are not meant to live uh, as a functioning cog in the city that never sleeps kind of mindset, you know, Um, that even following, you know, even following the principles of, you know, sun up, sundown, um, understanding that there is a time to work and there is a time to rest. Um, the creation, again, narrative itself testifies uh, to those things. It's an integral part. Rest is a course of, of productivity. Um, I mean, I've tried to do things exhausted. I mean, Grace, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you sermon prep when you're exhausted. It's that's miserable. always fun, right? And you're writing things that don't make sense. Like- Right, right. Yeah, I come back to something the next day. I'm like, well, that's a uh, you know five right. pages of garbage. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> this makes no sense. Yeah. I was a heretic when I was sleeping. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, um, you know. So it's again, rest is integral to productivity, and you actually honor the Lord when you come in to something well rested. Yeah. You know, and that you're using you know humanly as much as you can. That you are using your you know, all of your, you have all of your faculties about you, uh, to be able to be in that moment, uh, and be present. So again, that's, that's giving your, your wife and children, you know, your best, uh, that's going to sleep at a reasonable hour on Saturday night so that when you wake up for the Lord's day, you're not falling asleep in the pew, yeah. uh, but you've got, you know, some energy and things to fight the flesh, you know, which to sit, to sit in the church, um, is a fight against the flesh in and of itself, you know? Um, but again, it's, uh, despite how, uh, you might be, uh, tempted to think that it is a waste of time. 
uh, rest in and of itself is a good and necessary thing within its proper limitations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just as God has given us time, he's given us rest. Both are mm-hmm. wonderful gifts from him. And if right. we squander one or the other, or we make too much of one or the other, uh, inevitably we're going to be out of sync. I mean, I think of, uh, I think it's Japan that has this massive, massive issue with people literally falling asleep in the streets because they have worked themselves to the point of exhaustion. Mm. Um, people have fallen from like third story windows and stuff like that there, but they also have a incredibly high suicide rate. So there are just realities intrinsic to our bodies that mm-hmm. tell us you need rest. I mean, right. there's, there's this reality that physical rest brings a component of recognition that we're just finite creatures. Um, right. Like we talked about this earlier in the podcast, but we need rest. Um, we don't know the day that the Lord will call us home, but ultimately we're waiting for that day when we get final complete rest. Um, and at the same mm. time, we live in this odd tension where as Christians, we, we have rest in Christ now, right? There's that true Sabbath rest that Hebrews talks about. Right. Um, but right. None of that means that we neglect the actual principle of actual rest. Um, right. So right. It, it might seem like a counterintuitive thing to you. Um, try getting a good night's sleep before you're pumping out your next 10-page paper or whatever you got to do here. You'll find right. you can actually be a heck of a lot more productive by simply acknowledging your finiteness. Um, right. And perhaps maybe you need better time management skills that plug back to you know right. working on that paper a little earlier. But sure. the reality that we're just simply saying is that with all of this um, – these are just foundational principles we need to come back to yeah. when it comes to um, the topic as a whole, right? Right, right. I'd like, um, I'd like to just kind of in closing. So I'd like to recommend two uh, resources, uh, kind of on this subject. Um, and I, just off the top of my head, I might be mixing up the authors. Uh, one is Crazy Lazy, and I believe it's by Tim Challies. It's either Tim Challies or Kevin DeYoung. Yeah, I think that uh, one's Challies. Yeah, so that's that's Challies. Uh, so Crazy Lazy, uh, and again, it's just a, um, it is just a encouragement toward those who tend toward laziness. So maybe that's you. It is a mercifully short book, um, which is also the tagline of the second recommendation that I have, uh, which is Kevin DeYoung, uh, crazy busy. And then crazy busy's tagline is a mercifully short book on, on, on busyness. <laughs> Cause who has the time to read a long book? Yeah. Uh, and so in that kind of, and that kind of, that book kind of deals with, uh, this issue of again, prioritizing the things that God has told us to prioritize. Some of the things that we've talked about tonight, uh, are in there, uh, but it's very, uh, very well written. Again, both of those works are very short, um, and are definitely worth a read if, if you tend toward one of those two areas. Yes. So, all right. I mean, that's all, uh, I've got Grayson. Do you have anything else? No, uh, we just want to obviously thank you guys for listening to a little bit longer of a podcast on the topic of time management. We hope it's been helpful in some regards. Yeah. Um, 
Again, we didn't eat up too much of your time. Yeah. And if so, you can always put it on double speed, I guess. (laughs) Right, right. That's true. (laughs) So really, all of this comes down to this. Listen to the podcast on double speed and you will be uh, uh, heads above everyone else in your time management skills. Yeah. We put that at the end. So just to help. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This has been the Chorus and the Chaos. Thank you for listening. Lord bless you all. And we will see you on the next one.